OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet. Americans say they're worried about climate change, but how much are they willing to pay to fight it? This is Journal Report. Timely topics, important information. From the Wall Street Journal. Welcome to the Journal Report. I'm Charlie Turner in New York. When it comes to climate change, opinion surveys have shown that Americans of all political stripes are increasingly concerned about it. But research has found that Americans basically watch their wallets when confronted with the question of how much they'd actually be willing to pay to combat climate change. The answer seems to be not much. Wall Street Journal contributor Sam Ori is executive director of the Energy Policy Institute at the University of Chicago, and he joins us from there. Sam, the Energy Policy Institute, or EPIC for short, conducted the polls and found Americans think their electricity bills are high enough without contributing extra for climate change. First, why don't you go into some of the numbers? Sure. What we wanted to do here was to better understand this disconnect between what people say versus what they do when it comes to climate change. And as you mentioned, there's poll after poll that shows uh, a very strong level of concern uh, for climate change. And the the most recent numbers from Gallup uh, are actually a record high. Uh, 45% of Americans uh, say they worry a great deal about global warming. uh, And uh, fully two-thirds say they worry uh, a great deal or or a fair amount. So it's it's at a record high. But when you compare that to the policy landscape, uh, I think there's a disconnect. You, you, you don't see uh, policies at the national level or even at the state level that are specifically targeted addressing climate uh, that match up with that seeming level of, of concern. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to dig a little bit deeper and gauge the intensity. When people say that they really care about this, uh, what do they really mean by that and how much do they care? And so we did that with really the only way uh, that economists, uh, we like to think that we can gauge intensity, which is with a monetary value, as you said, kind of look to their wallets. What we found was uh, our, our survey comports with a lot of the other surveys out there. It found that uh, fully two-thirds of people in our survey favor government action for addressing climate change. Uh, but when you ask them then, what would you be willing to pay, the, the, I think it's much more revealing and you get some really stark information. And so, first of all, about 43% of respondents uh, would not be willing to pay anything. So they said essentially, we, I wouldn't be able to pay, I wouldn't be willing to pay anything uh, when asked uh, about uh, an additional fee on your, on your electric bill next month uh, and going forward. You said they were basically unwilling to pay an additional dollar per month, 43%. Exactly. 43% would pay zero. 61% would pay, would not be willing to pay $10. And so... Just to give you some, some context for that, how do we think about, well, is that a lot? Is it a little? If we take the federal government's former estimate of the monetary impacts of climate change, the, the, the monetary damages from climate change, uh, and we apply that to the amount of carbon pollution that uh, is attributable to the electricity consumption of your typical household in the U.S., it, suge- it suggests that that household is producing, on average, about uh, $20 worth of, of climate damages. And so... When you take that $20 and you compare it to what people are willing to pay, there's a huge disconnect there. Many people would pay nothing, and 61% would pay less than $10. And only, uh, so less than a third, about 29%, would pay $20, an amount equal to the amount of, of damages that their carbon pollution is creating. 
there's two ways to think about this. The first is, is just kind of on a vote counting electoral perspective, right? It's not very encouraging that, that uh, 43% would pay nothing and that 61% would pay only $10. It gives you uh, some level of kind of insight, I think. And also it should give you, lead to a healthy skepticism about what the future, uh, what the near-term future of climate policy is in, in the U.S., um, that is the way ultimately we make decisions. And so if we're wondering, you know, why are so many in Congress reluctant to move forward with uh, climate policies that would increase the amount that people pay for energy, um, this is a pretty good uh, barometer. This gives you a pretty good sense of why that is. There doesn't seem to be really the, the real support for it. There's another way to think about it, uh, which we were really kind of surprised by, is that there are a fair amount of people who would pay quite a bit. 17% said that they would pay at least $40. Uh, and roughly the same amount, uh, 20% said they would pay at least $50. And so what you see is that while there's large uh, segments of the population that would pay very little or, or, uh, or nothing, um, there are some pretty significant segments of the population that would pay a lot. And so what that also leads you to, uh, another way to think about this is, well, what if we took the average? What if we kind of weighted this by the share of people who would pay for certain amounts, what's kind of the average across all respondents? What you find is that the average across all respondents uh, is in the neighborhood of about $20. It's interesting to take that and kind of think about, well, what is that telling me? It's telling me that if I weight the intensity of preferences of some uh, of the people who would really uh, pay a lot, um, it kind of skews the average for, for the country. And so some could argue that, well, on average, across uh, society in the United States, we're willing to pay a, uh, an amount that's equal to the damages that we're producing. It's actually kind of encouraging. Uh, but, you know, again, the kind of the, the, the flip side of that coin is that that's not really how we make decisions. We make decisions based on uh, kind of majority rules or, or uh, you know, vote counting in this country. And so I think it's kind of that interesting uh, dichotomy between the two ways to think about it. On one hand, uh, should lead you to be very skeptical that we'll have the political support or momentum to do something. On the other hand, there is this kind of latent potential momentum within, within society, and it'll be interesting to see how in the coming years, if that number of people that are really willing to pay a lot, that they kind of skew the whole average, that size of, or that, that portion of the population expands. I'm speaking with Sam Ori, who is executive director of the Energy Policy Institute at the University of Chicago, and you're listening to The Journal Report. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet, oracle.com slash Wall Street. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sam, leaving the possible skewing of the results aside, still a majority of people would be unwilling to pay extra at this point. Why do Americans feel this way? Yeah, that's really a, a key question. It does seem that people don't necessarily, or the results would lead you to believe that people don't necessarily see climate change as a threat to them personally at this point in time. And if we look to other areas where uh, people are willing to pay something uh, for dealing with a problem, it tends to be uh, when, it, when it's to confront something that they feel like uh, uh, is very tangible and that they're confronting on a daily basis, and it's obvious to them why they should pay to avoid dealing with it. 
One area that uh, is, 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 I think, instructive is traditional pollution in terms of air quality. So traditional pollution from uh, burning gasoline in our cars or burning uh, fossil fuels in power plants. Uh, when you look around the world and you try to find examples, one uh, really interesting recent uh, piece of research from one of my colleagues here uh, at the Energy Policy Institute, uh, Koichiro Ito, he and one of his co-authors just recently produced a study that looked at how much citizens in China are willing to pay through, uh, for cleaner air. And they took a really interesting approach to gauge this. There's two ways you can look at people's willingness to pay or you can try to suss out people's willingness to pay for something. One way is just to ask them. That's what we did uh, in, our, in our survey. Uh, another way is to try to look at uh, how they uh, behave and, and what kind of purchases they make and actually uh, try to um, suss it out from experience or from observed data. We call that revealed preference. And so they did a revealed preference study in China looking at um, people's purchases of, of air purifiers and how much uh, people were willing to pay for the really expensive, most efficient air purifiers in the most highly polluted parts of the country and how that differed from other parts of the country. And what they found was people were willing to pay pretty significantly to have cleaner air uh, in, in northern China and the most polluted parts of the country. And that the amount that they were willing to pay was more than the policies that were being implemented by the government in the region. And the government in the region has recently implemented some policies designed to, to help clean air. And so people were actually willing to pay even more than that. So this is one of the reasons why willingness to pay is such an interesting thing, is that it really helps you kind of gauge policy. Could policy be stronger? Are we, are, are we making people better off uh, by implementing policies? And uh, if people are willing to pay equal to or more than uh, what the policy is costing, that's usually a, a good sign. And so uh, in this case, you know, the people in China, I think, are really confronting the health consequences and the, and the really damaging effects of traditional air pollution on a daily basis. And so uh, they're willing to pay more money to deal with it. And they're willing to pay, what you find is that as, be as people become more wealthy, they're willing to pay even more. And so you, you know, turn back to climate change, the effects of climate change are very far in the future for the most part. And people don't feel like they're confronting uh, the effects of climate change on a daily basis. It's something that's almost like a hypothetical. You're saying 20, 30, 40 years from now, we're going to have these challenges that you're going to be confronting or that we'll be confronting as a society. And you in the middle of the country might experience some of them, you might not. And so uh, it's very hard for people to then say, yes, I'm, I'm willing to open my wallet to that. Uh, and, and pay to address that. It's easy for them to say, yes, I'm concerned about it. That sounds scary. Uh, but it's harder for them to say, yeah, I'm willing to, to pay more in my utility bill to help address this thing that is going to happen down the road. Well, you had another survey one of your colleagues did regarding the Clean Air Act and also property values, and that was in the United States. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's, it's, um, it's a, I think, a, another kind of example of one of these studies that shows that there are definitely benefits to, to cleaning up the air. And that what's interesting about property values is, again, it's kind of a revealed preference thing. It tells you when we look at what people paid for, uh, paid for a house, were they willing to pay more in areas that, were, that had cleaner air? And you find that the Clean Air Act, which is, I think, you know, uh, among environmental economists viewed as uh, a very significant and, and uh, successful piece of legislation, that by cleaning up the air, it increased the property values in zones um, that, that had previously been polluted and, and became uh, and experienced a, a cleaning of their air in the years following the Clean Air Act. And so, again, there you see people are making kind of a comparison or a, a trade-off, you know, have a choice to live in an area where the air is, is dirtier. Um, I'm willing to pay less for that. And if I have a choice to live in an area where it's, the air is cleaner and I, and, I can sen and I feel like I can see that this is going to be good for my health and it's going to be, a, um, you know, hopefully a safer kind of 
uh, environmental area for breathing the air for me and my children, uh, that I'm willing to pay a little bit more for that. That's right. The research found, I guess, in the cleaner zones, property values were up by $45 billion total in one decade, I guess. Between, between... 1970 and 1980, that's right. That's right. Wall Street Journal contributor Sam Ori, he is executive director of the Energy Policy Institute at the University of Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that is the Journal Report. Thank you for listening. I'm Charlie Turner at the News Desk in New York. For a new podcast experience, subscribe to the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.